You're listening to Law and Gospel on this email Friday where we get emails from individuals and try to answer their questions. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. It's February the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. So I want to say just a couple of things about yesterday's broadcast, first of all, and that was with Wes Reimnitz, this whole idea that pastors are losing credibility. And what I did not like about the article is that pastors are supposed to regain their credibility, he said, by becoming more trustworthy, etc. Well, the problem with that is that pastors are not going to be credible to unbelievers. It doesn't matter what the pastor has to say, what the pastor does. The fact of the matter is, is when you get involved with church ministry, a pastor is therefore talking about the law. And when you take a look at the difference between law and gospel, people don't like hearing the law because it gives them the impression that they are sinners, which that's what the law does. It shows how we sin against the various commandments of God. He put these commandments in place to show us how to live in the universe that he created. And therefore, when we don't live according to what he has created, then we have bad consequences. Sometimes we recognize them, sometimes we don't. Now, there's no doubt that in this culture, there is a lack of credibility to pastors because so many people are no longer believing Scripture. I mean, how many people believe in this nonsense called evolution, or what I like to call evolution? It's really something that is never scientifically proven, and it comes about because people take a look at the world and believe everything came about naturally. So, and I've given examples of this, like if there's a diamond in the ground, how did that come about? Well, it was a fossilized tree. It was under pressure for many, 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 many years. And so they just assume that the world has to be that old in order that diamonds are in the ground or there are mountain ranges, etc., without realizing that God created the world with oil in it, with diamonds in it, with living trees. And even Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were not one-day-old little babies. No, they were probably between, oh, what, 18 years and 24 years old from a human point of view if a doctor had examined them. And the fact of the matter is, is God created the world with age. Now, the biggest problem that pastors have is the delusion on the part of every other religion 
that one can be saved by works. And so there are emails that have come in asking, how can we show someone that salvation by works is not possible any longer? We're going to take a look today at Romans chapter 10. The Apostle Paul is writing, and in verse 1 he says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they may be saved. After I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now, what, what does that mean? Everybody normally has a zeal for God. They may not know who the true God is, but they just feel that there's got to be some way out of the problems that they're having on earth. So every religion that is concocted by man has some kind of God. And when you take a look at the God that they invent, it's a God that thinks the same way they do. In other words, he's not the God of the Bible. He's a God that is a God of justice in the sense that he gives people what they deserve. And therefore, you find me a religion outside of Christianity that doesn't teach that how you behave will make a difference whether you go to heaven or to hell. That's what Paul is talking about, that people have a zeal for God. They may think they're worshiping God, but they are, verse 3, ignorant of the righteousness of God, and they are seeking to establish their own righteousness, not submitting to God's righteousness. Now, what does that mean? That is such a critical verse that they don't submit to the righteousness of God. People would think that the righteousness of God is his perfection, and therefore to submit to it means that we also have to be perfect. And so people get really worried that I'm not going to go to the place of the afterlife because I am not good enough. Well, of course you're not good enough. You are a sinner. So what is God's righteousness? It's really the righteousness of Christ that is given over to us through faith in the promises of God. This is a part of Christianity not understood by the world, namely that you are declared to be righteous while you are still a sinner. People just don't understand that. But there can be analogies used. Uh, for example, if you are in a courtroom and the accused is accused of, say, robbing a bank, but there's not enough evidence for the jury to convict him, they will say, innocent. Even though he may have robbed the bank, 
but the evidence isn't sufficient. The judge will then declare him to be free. So he's freed even though he is guilty of the crime. Now, in God's sight, there's plenty of evidence that we are guilty of the crime, and that's why we refer to God as gracious in the sense that he gives us what we don't deserve. The evidence is against us, but because of faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? We are no longer needing to do good works in order to be saved. In fact, good works are done after you are totally saved because you can't do a good work until you have faith in Christ. Now, we make a distinction between outward good works and good works of faith. Outward good works is, well, people may feed the hungry or help the homeless or this kind of item. Churches even get involved with that. But if there's no faith in Jesus Christ, then it really is not a good work from God's point of view. It's sin because he looks at the motivation and there is an absence of motivation of trusting in Jesus. So people will do good works. It makes them feel better. It gives them a good reputation and other people look up to them. Now, verse four of chapter 10 really hits the nail on the head. If you're looking for a passage where people who think they're saved by the law to show that that they are in error, it's chapter 10 of Romans, verse 4. Let me read it. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, you, you can't get a better verse than that. What does that mean? Notice that Christ is not the end of the law. The law continues. Read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus says, oh, you think you haven't murdered? But if you have a thought of anger against someone or say something bad about someone that's untrue, guess what? That is hurting and harming your neighbor, and it breaks the fifth commandment. Thou shalt not murder. So Christ does not end the law in the sense of hearing what God's demands are on us. Listen carefully to the verse. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This is really what the Reformation was talking about. That if you have faith given to you by the Holy Spirit, you can't invent that faith. You can't decide to have faith because you're an unbeliever. No, the Holy Spirit 
comes to you and gives you that faith. And therefore, it is the end of the law for righteousness' sake. That is to say that the purpose of the law to be saved has now been ended. Well, well, was there ever a time that it wasn't? The very next verse, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. See, that was what Moses was getting across to the people. But the righteousness based on faith, this is verse 6, says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of truth that we proclaim. Because, now verse 9 is really quite important. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you hear that? God's salvation is not based on the teaching of Moses. Faith comes instead from hearing. Hearing is how the word is given to people. And the Holy Spirit works through the word, converting a person by giving him or her faith. The word enters our ears and goes into our hearts where it is received through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is why the means of grace always is connected to the Word of God. Remember we say baptism. That's just simple water. doesn't matter what water you use. You don't have to get water that was in the Jordan River. You can just turn on your tap and there's water. But it's not the water that does the work, but the word connected to the water. That's the same with the Lord's Supper, another sacrament. It's not a special kind of bread or a special kind of wine. Instead, it is the word connected. This is my body. This is my blood. That's what Jesus says. We may not understand how that happens scientifically, but we do know from 1 Corinthians 10 that when we receive the Lord's Supper, we're receiving not just the body and blood of Christ, but we're also receiving the bread and the wine, all four items. There are 
some churches, like the Roman Catholic, that believes it changes into his body and blood, and that's all you receive. There are others who think that that is a metaphor, uh, not really true, a symbol, and therefore you only receive bread and wine. And through faith, you are receiving his body and blood, which is in heaven, not in, with, and under the bread and the wine. This is why it's important that before people commune, they learn about what communion is. Because there's no verse that talks about a person is getting sick or dying because of an improper baptism. But an improper reception of the Lord's Supper, that leads to people thinking, well, it's really not the body and blood of Christ. Or I'm really not that big a sinner. Or I'm not getting the forgiveness of sins. That's why it's very important that people go through a period of instruction to help them understand the meaning of what the Bible says, not just what the Bible says. And here's a good example. The Bible says that that righteousness that Moses wrote about based on your obedience to the law is not possible. Instead, you become righteous based on faith. And how does a person come to faith? They come to faith by the means of grace. Now, what does that mean? What's the means of grace? Well, let's say you want to go to a movie today. Somebody's going to ask you, what is the means by which you're going to get to the theater? Well, I'm going to go by car. That becomes the vehicle that transports you to the theater so you can see the movie. Well, the means of grace, word and sacrament. In other words, you receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins when a person is baptized, when they properly receive the body and blood of Christ in, with, and under the bread and the wine. And also, how many times in a worship service do you hear the absolution? What's that? That's where the pastor speaks on behalf of Jesus Christ. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of God, announce the grace of God to you. And by God's command, I say that your sins are forgiven. This is very important that no pastor has the power to forgive sins, but we have the authority to announce the forgiveness of sins if the confession of sin is valid. In other words, whether you truly are repentant of your sins. 
And when we say you are forgiven, that is a wonderful bit of good news that the person holds on to, knowing that heaven is now their home because they are incapable of reaching heaven by their works. Moses was really making a point that the Ten Commandments are the way in which you have a full life here on earth. But people disobey the Ten Commandments. They fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, they cannot be saved by becoming righteous through obedience to the commandments. That method is no longer possible. That's what verse 4 of chapter 10 says. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It's not the end of the law for obedience. Because the more that you hear what Jesus has done for you in dying on the cross, in being raised from the dead, and giving you his righteousness through faith, the more you not only believe in Jesus, but the more your love grows towards him. And you know what happens when your love is increased towards a specific person, uh, even an animal. Look at how people love their pets, really want to take care of them. I was watching a, a drama, and it was about a man who was in prison. And in this prison, the warden allows cats to be pets of the prisoners. And here he was a four-time murderer, but he's petting his cat all the time and taking good care of it. So that shows how much love he has for it. When you have that love towards Jesus, then you really feel bad when you go against Jesus' will. When you break, the commandments he has given to us. Therefore, the life of a Christian is one in which there's not an end of the law. No, we still desire to obey the commandments, and our desire grows the more we understand what Jesus has done for us. Through that faith, therefore, we do good works, but none of those works save us because we are already saved in order to do the good works. We're saved instead by the word of God, that hearing that word of God and that word of God being pronounced, even over an infant, we think the infant, how can they have faith? They don't even know many things. But John the baptizer had faith while he was still in the womb because he jumped for joy when Jesus, who was in the womb of Mary for only a few hours, had come into the room to visit with Elizabeth. And John the Baptist, according to Elizabeth, jumped for joy 
And we know he was filled with the Holy Spirit because that's the promise that Gabriel had said to his father. And therefore, we believe, teach, and confess that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he rejoiced at Jesus' presence. So the task of the church is to show that Jesus is present. In other words, it's very clear that verse 12 of Romans 10 says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on whom? Now, the next phrase is really important. Bestowing his riches who on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the difference between law and gospel. The end of the law for righteousness has been done by Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith on account of the work of Jesus. And we'll continue on Law and Gospel with next week's Talking About a Bible Verse. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.